Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Clay, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and could not be more excited to be here hanging out with you guys. It's a great day. It's been a great summer. It's wrapping up. Like, I cannot believe that we're already pretty much eight months into the year. Like, time is absolutely flying by. And uh, I think that's probably a good thing because, like, when things are going good and things are exciting and things are going well, um, that's when time seems to go by even faster. And I really do believe here at The Rock, through his people, that God is doing something really big. And because of that, time is flying by. So, man, I'm glad to be here. And today, with this week three of Summer Set List, we have just sang some uh, names about Jesus. And we're going to continue to sing some more names about Jesus uh, and names of Jesus. And ultimately, what we're talking about today is names. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could look at names, but I think very practically for me, I can think about naming my two children. Me and Katie would sit down, we'd each have a list of names on our phones, and we would basically just read them back and forth to each other until we found ones that we liked. It was just like, nope, nope, nope. Dated a girl with that name in high school, nope. Uh, oh, that kid was a turd in our student ministry, nope, right? And you just have these different names that you just instantly, the teachers are laughing real hard right now. <laughs> you guys get it. You guys get it. Like, you're just like, you know what? This name just doesn't work. And then you finally say the name. You're like, that's it. That's the name. We found it. And they're going to be called that for the next 80 years of their life, right? Like, it's this big deal. And uh, names, you can get really basic and get really creative. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was on Instagram, and I saw the best names of the college football 2023 season, and they were incredible, all right? So, like, check, check this one out. I, I love this one. General Booty, incredible name. Uh, then we got, on top of that, the next one, Storm Duck, uh, who really should be playing for Oregon. That would be better, but he plays for Louisville, which is how you pronounce Louisville, uh, if you ever want to know, like, just how to pronounce Louisville, you just put as many rocks as possible in your mouth and just, just mumble it, and you got it, all right? And then we love this one, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, he is the All-American defensive back for Alabama. And then my personal favorite is this next one. His name is Sheeta. Stop it, you guys. <laughs> Sheeta. Oh, names are interesting, right? You could go from names of people, but you could also talk about names of companies. For example, Amazon, uh, which Bezos got from the Amazon River, but there was a couple other names that he was considering before that. One of the one, big ones that he was pushing for was Cadabra, like Abracadabra. And his lawyer's like, no, don't pick that name. It sounds too much like cadaver, the, the dead corpse. Uh, and after them going back and forth for a little bit, he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. That's, that's no big deal. And then his second name that he really, really loved was the name Relentless, which was just a weird name for me to, to think about because, like, I'm, like, looking at Katie and I'm going, hey, can you buy, like, an air fryer, a dog leash, and some toilet paper? Uh, on relentless like it's just a little too intense right and then you know they finally got to the name Amazon and they, they picked it and it, obviously it's a huge huge company marketing name now and then you have companies like Google and 
the, the story of Google is really interesting to me because in 1996, you have Larry Page and Sergey Brin, and they are two Stanford PhD students, and they're working on this big research project, and they created this search engine that would look at the uh, backlinks of web pages, and they would find all these different web pages, obviously, right? And what they originally called it was Backrub. Now, can you imagine going to backrub.com for all the questions that you have in life? Do not go do that right now. They end up very bad for you, right? So the name ended up uh, developing into the name Google. One of them offered up the name Google, and Google actually is spelled G-O-O-G-O-L, and what it is is the number one followed by a hundred zeros. So the idea is we just have a massive search engine. It makes sense. But the other guy, I don't know if he just didn't know how to spell it or he just made a mistake. When he went to go buy the domain name, he typed in G-O-O-G-L-E. They bought it and they used it. It's interesting, the biggest website of all time name came on accident. Names are powerful. Then we have names like president or judge or governor. And uh, I looked up the history of some of those words, and the word governor was interesting, especially as we're talking about Jesus being our governor today. The term governor comes from the Latin word gubernator, which is just an incredible word. It's super fun. Look at your neighbor and say gubernator real quick. I told you it's fun to say, right? It's a fun word to say. It's a great word, right? So gubernator, what that means, uh, it came from the, the helmsman or the steersman of a ship, Obviously, now we know it as a political figure. Well, in Scripture today, we're going to look at a, a Scripture that in one version talks about how Jesus is the governor. Uh, the version I'm reading talks about he is the, the head of the government. He's, he's ruling over it all. And if you've ever came to church for really any time amount at all, you've probably heard the phrase, you should have Jesus lead your life, or you should follow God, or he should be the king of your life. And the question that you might be wrestling with when you hear that question or that statement is why? Why should I have Jesus lead my life? Why should I follow him? Why should he be my king? Why should he be my ruler? And if you've made that decision before in life, you might be in a spot where you go like, hey, someone asked me why they should follow Jesus and just didn't know exactly how to answer well, today is going to give us the answer on both of those questions, why you should and how to tell someone. And it all involves his name. Isaiah 9, 6, this is the verse that we're going to be hanging out in all day today. It, it says this in uh, verse 6. It says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God eternal father and prince of peace. He is a wise counselor. That, that word, uh, he's a wonderful counselor. That, that word wonderful, it's got a very interesting original meaning. What it really means incomprehensible, which means that God is beyond our comprehension. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He is sovereign. I love what Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, it says this um, in 46, 9 through 10. It says, now if any of you lacks 
We're almost there. Verse 46, or chapter 46. I've got it. They've got it. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. You know, I think there's some different aspects of that that are fascinating to me because God, in a way that we have a hard time understanding because we are tied to time, God is outside of time. He knows everything that has happened. He knows everything that will happen. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He operates outside of the structure that we are confined to and to our knowledge, which means that God knows everything, which means he is the one that we should go to when we need wisdom. And there's situations all over our life where we need wisdom. For example, what, what do you do when you're interacting with your friend group and one of them starts to do something that you think is wrong? Or how do you have moral integrity at your job? What do you do when there's an opportunity for you to get ahead, but it's by doing something a little shady? Or how do you respond to your spouse in the middle of an argument? What do you do when the emotions are high? Or how do you uh, respond, or how do you punish your child for making a mistake? So let's be honest, sometimes when you want to punish your child, you want to just slap them upside the head. But that's not wisdom. You are, I am in positions every single day where we have to make decisions, which means every single day we need wisdom. Unfortunately, many of us make the wrong decisions in those moments because we, are, we think we are wiser than we are. We think we are smarter than we are. We think we can make a better decision than we do. When we do that, we kind of think we just outsmarted everybody else. I can remember, uh, for me, uh, Spanish class when I was younger. In eighth grade or seventh grade, I started taking Spanish one, uh, and and I was okay at it. Uh, Spanish two, I, I did it, and it was a little bit harder. Uh, Spanish three happened, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And there's no matter what I did, I couldn't figure it out. And the only reason I passed that uh, class. Because Andy LeBrew sat beside me in my final. He did a terrible job at hiding his final paper. And I copied off every single answer. It was not right of me, but I did it. For some reason, I thought it'd be a great idea to do Spanish 4 the year after. Started going downhill again. And by the time the first semester was almost up, we had our big final project for the semester, and our Spanish teacher looked at us and said, hey, you were going to write a three-page paper in Spanish. Ain't no chance I was going to be able to do that. So I did what any wise person would do. I typed a three-page paper in English, copied that sucker, threw it in Google Translate. I win. I outsmarted you, teacher. And guess who got away with it? Not me. <laughs> I got busted, right? And I had thought I had a moment of 
outsmarting my teacher. I didn't, though. It was actually to the point where the teacher called my mom in the middle of the semester, or in the middle of Christmas break. She's like, hey, I think Clay needs to drop this class for second semester. My mom's like, what? Like, does he need to come in after school? Does he need to work harder? Does he need to do his homework? Does he need to get a tutor? Like, she asked all the right questions. My mom has been an educator for years, like, so she knew the Spanish teacher from them working together. So she asked all the right questions. And then the Spanish teacher just kind of had a big sigh. She goes, no, he's trying. He just can't do it. <laughs> Complete giving up on me, right? Because at the moment where I needed the help most, I tried to outsmart and I tried to be wiser, and it just wasn't the right thing. And there's oftentimes in life where we make decisions, where we try to do things, and it fails spectacularly. And that's why we need to depend on God for our wisdom rather than ourselves. With that, all we have to do to gain that wisdom is to ask. James 1, 5 and 6, uh, it says this. It says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. His knowledge, his wisdom makes him good at what he does. And all we have to do to get that wisdom ourselves is ask him for it. So when you're trying to figure out what to do when you are dealing with an issue with your friend group, you ask him. When you've got an opportunity to get ahead at your job when it's doing something wrong, ask him what to do. When you are in the middle of an argument with your spouse, ask him for wisdom. When you have to punish your child and have a hard conversation with your child, ask him for the guidance on how to lead your family at that point. And he wants to give it to you. All we have to do is ask. And what's amazing about that is not only does God know what to do, he has the power to do it as well. Because he is the wonderful counselor and mighty God. And as mighty God, he is powerful, he's uh, omnipotent, which means he has the power to accomplish everything that he sets his mind to. Nothing is impossible for him. And one of the ways that I remind myself of this is by going to the ocean, standing there on the beach, and just staring out into the expanse. And it's in that moment I remind myself how big God is and how much control he has, and how much creativity he has, and how he's over all of this. And at that moment, it makes my problems, my life feel very small. And because of that, I know he can handle whatever's in my life. We've seen that time and time again in Jesus' life. You know, he showed his power over creation by calming the storms when they were on the sea, and the wind and the rain and the waves were all crazy. He said, no, it stops. He showed that power over illness by healing people. He showed that power over life and death by raising people from the dead and raising himself from the dead. We see through the life of Jesus that he is strong. The good news is that power is available to us as well. One of the biggest misnomers that people have about faith 
is that you have to be strong. I think it starts with coming to faith. I think a lot of people feel like they have to have a certain level of strength or a certain level of knowledge or a certain past that has to look a certain way to come to Jesus. You're like, hey, I'm just not strong enough to follow God and have faith. I also think there's the person that, that feels like, hey, if I have faith, then I can't struggle. There's no reason for me to have any weakness. There's no reason for me to have any problems. There's no reason for me to have any sort of struggle. But then I also think there's the person that feels like when they are struggling or they are having a moment of weakness that they don't have faith now. It doesn't work like that. We are weak because we are not God. And the sooner that we realize we are not God, the better off we're going to be. Because when we acknowledge our weakness, we can then go, God, I need your strength. There's a great quote from a guy named Zig Ziglar. He said this, the path to strength and self-improvement starts with humility and a willingness to confront our weaknesses. You want strength? You want self-improvement? You want to get better? Start by humbling yourself and acknowledging that you don't have the strength, and that's okay. We weren't designed that way. We weren't designed to be all-powerful. We weren't designed to be able to fix every problem. We weren't designed to be perfect. We weren't designed to, to, to not have any problems. We weren't designed to handle every situation perfectly. No, we were designed to depend on God. Because ultimately, he is the one that is going to choose life. He is the one that is going to rule over death. He is the one that's going to rule over the kingdom at the end of times. He is the one that's over everything. And we are not. There's a great blocks of scripture that talk about this. And I'm not going to read these specific verses, but we're going to throw what they are on the screen. It says this, Isaiah 55, 1, Genesis 1, and Job 38 through 42. It talks about how he created the heavens and the earth. He declared how far the seas would come. And then on top of that, Colossians 1, it talks about how he created it all, and he sustains it through his power. Not only did he create it, but everything is flowing from him since then. And then on top of that creation that he made, and that power he's sustaining it, he's building a kingdom that is for us. Ultimately, yes, it is for God, but he's inviting us alongside of him, saying, hey, join me here. And through that, Romans 8 and Ephesians 3.20 he can use his power on our behalf to save, change, and give us an experience unlike any other. And through all of that, when we experience the power of God, whether that is in our life or someone that we know's life, what we want to do is built into us, we were designed this way, is to give him glory because we are seeing his strength in action and through seeing his strength in action in our life and other people's lives, we are recognizing that he cares about us. Because God isn't just a wonderful counselor. He isn't just a mighty God. He's also an eternal father, which means he is compassionate. God is designed as this or God is described as this everlasting father. What does that mean? means he created you, means he loves you, 
means he wants the best for you just like a father should. And he plays that out through his actions by providing for us, by guiding us, by helping us, by comforting us. He is here for us because we are his creation. And when we are living this life and we're trying to fill all these gaps in our hearts from whether it's our past or these decisions that we're making or something that we just feel like we're lacking, we're going to a bunch of things that don't last. The only thing that will last is a relationship with God. Now I think about things like people looking for love in a relationship or a sexual identity and that moment that you have there will be momentary satisfaction but it won't last you know you're looking for that thrill through a drink or a drug and that thrill won't last that acceptance through a gossiping friend group it won't last trying to do things your own way because you didn't have a father in your life, and you're like, I'm gonna take control of my life, and I'm not gonna have anyone help me out, and I'm gonna do things my way. I'm gonna prove everybody wrong that I can do this. Yeah, that will only get you so far, and it won't last. And I know this subject as God the Father can be touchy for people, because what's happened is you're looking in your past, and you're recognizing that your fractured family has led to a fractured heart, and you're going, man, what? I am dealing with what I'm struggling with. Like, I just can't see this relationship of having a good father. I want you to know there is no better father than God because he loves you, he cares for you, and he's everlasting. He's not leaving us. He's not abandoning us. He is here for us. And all I wanted to do is tell those people, I see it in students all the time. It's like, hey, you got a God that loves you. You got a father that loves you. You got a father that cares about you. You got a father that wants the best for you. And we see that through the life of Jesus. John 14, 9 and 10, it says this. It says, Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time? And you do not know me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Jesus saying, like, look, you've been trying to figure out who a good father is. You've been trying to find out who a good person to look up to is. Trying to find someone that's going to help you with your problems, help you find what you're looking for in life. Look no further. He is here. I am showing you who God is. Jesus did that through providing for his disciples by helping them find food and finances. He did that by helping them uh, be safe and secure, by protecting them in the middle of the storms, in the middle of the garden. He did that through helping them walk through life and understand what a relationship with God looks like with grace and truth. And he did this to give them safety eternally, but also satisfaction here on earth. John, the book of John says that he came to give his life and life to the full. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what the Father is doing. He's giving us the earthly satisfaction of what we've been searching for. Then he's also given us this eternal safety because when we choose to follow him, we join in that family, everything changes for us here on earth, but also forever. 
Which means when we have those two things, that earthly satisfaction and that eternal safety, what that means is that we have peace. And that's the fourth name we're talking about today. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting eternal father and prince of peace. He is the peace that we're looking for. You know, contextually, this book of Isaiah is written at a time where the nation of Israel is in just complete chaos. The king had just died. They're, they're struggling. They don't know what to do. They're, they're, they're worried. And all of a sudden, you have Isaiah saying, hey, there's a prince of peace coming. There's a prince that's going to come help you out. There's a prince that's going to provide you with what you need. And I know there are situations for all of us that we need peace with. And Jesus can provide it. Look what this says in verse 7 of this scripture. It says, the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Jesus is reigning now, Jesus reigned then, and Jesus will reign forever in the future. And because of that, we can have peace. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. I'm giving my life to you. I know for me, when I hear this idea of peace, that's, that's what I'm looking for. What my heart desires. It's what I need here in this moment. I don't know what you need peace from, but Jesus can provide it because he is the prince of peace and the deliverer of peace. And as I think about these four names of Jesus, I know that I want him to be my leader, my governor, my prince. What about you? Here, just a moment, we're gonna go into a time of response. And I'm gonna challenge us to respond in a few different ways. And I think today that God is putting one of his names on your heart. For some of you that's Prince of Peace. Because throughout your whole life, you've been searching. You've been trying to fill these cracks. You've been trying to, to find peace. You're doing it through all these different manners. And you're just like, man, nothing is working news for you. Nothing will work until you give your life to Jesus. So maybe today what you need to do is give your life to him. And say, Jesus, you are my king. You are my prince. You are my leader. You are my governor. You are in charge of my life. I am choosing to follow you. And I hope through today that you've heard why you should have Jesus be the leader of your life. If you make that decision, you can do that right there. You see, you can talk to God and say, God, I, I, I just want to follow you. I just, I just want to be with you. If you'd like to talk to someone, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe some of you, you need to hear that he is the everlasting father. That's because you didn't have a father growing up, or maybe there's some split in your family. Maybe you've just been searching for that love and that care and that provision and guidance 
through all these different methods, and you've recognized it won't last. You're searching for the thing that will last. And you're ready to take that step and be adopted into the family and say, man, this is where I'm going now. This is a life that I'm choosing to live. Maybe today is the day that you decide to get baptized. Just like your Jesus went from death to life, you can go from death to life symbolically and say, okay, Jesus, I'm with you. You're my father. Or maybe you got a really difficult situation that you're dealing with. And you feel like you're losing the battle. You feel like you're losing the war. There's nothing that you can do. Maybe today the word that sticks out to you, the name that sticks out to you is mighty God. And you need to recognize that God can, has control over your situation, that you are not strong enough to deal with it on your own, but you desperately need God to change the situation. Maybe what you can do to remind yourself of that is to come up front and take communion. You remind yourself of his death on the cross by breaking his body his blood that was spilled out. With, and, and this is represented by the bread and the juice. And take that as a reminder for that. And then realize three days later in a, what seemed like an impossible situation, Jesus rose from the dead. If he can do that, he can take care of your problem. Or maybe the name that's sticking out to you is Wonderful Counselor. You've got some decisions to make been wrestling with some different ideas. You don't know what to believe. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to think. Maybe in this moment, you just need a wonderful counselor. Maybe what you could do today is we got people hanging in our connect corners that would love to pray with you about what you're going through. And through that prayer, maybe God will reveal something powerful to you that will help you in your situation beautiful thing about this is in just a moment we're going to be singing some songs and whether you have the name Prince of Peace or Wonderful Counselor or Mighty God or Everlasting Father there's no doubting that today we can all stand and sing and praise the name of God for who he is and what he's done for us we're going to do that if you guys would stand with me during this first song, we're gonna be singing some names of God. And I want you to really think, and I want you to really pray that God will push a name on your heart and challenge you to do something with it. And then we're gonna sing a second song. The first song is gonna be a song that's new to us. It's a perfect time to reflect and think about it. And the second song, if you've been coming to church ever, you're gonna know it. We're gonna belt out what a powerful name Jesus is. Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, we are thankful for you. Thank you for being a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, our Prince of Peace, our everlasting Father. Help us to respond today. Love you.